This short code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at MedEdMedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code Podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews. By students, for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcode.com. Welcome back to the Short Code Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler. Not important. With me today are M3 Hillary O'Brien. Hey there. M4 Rob Humble. Hello. And we're joined by a new co-host, MD, PhD student, LJ Agostinelli. Did I pronounce that right? You did. Hello. Because right. that's my Italian heritage coming <laughs> oh, up. Oh, very nice. My, uh, my, uh, when we came over on the boat, they changed our name from, El- from Etlerini to oh. Etler. Oh, I see. That's not true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not at all that true. Could be a, that could be a pasta shape. Etlerini. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I aspire to have a pasta shape named after us. <laughs> I've, maybe I've said it on the show before, but Etler does mean meats in Turkish. Oh. What does Agostinelli mean? No idea. Are you, are you like Italian, Italian? Yes. I mean, are you like, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Like my father was born in Italy. Really? Oh, I didn't know that. What part? San Bartolomeo. It's outside of Naples. Hmm. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Can't say that anybody in recent family have been born in Italy, but we all pretend. Oh. <laughs> uh, I was looking forward to be joined by Dylan Todd. I'm going to call his ass out. <laughs> he didn't friggin' show up today. <laughs> it would have been two years. I would have said, gosh, Dylan, it's amazing to have you on the show because you haven't been on the show since November 2016. <laughs> but then he didn't come. And LJ, I don't know if you remember, but we met a long time ago, and I thought you should be on the show way back then. Really glad you could make it finally. Two years later. Two years later. Yep. Appreciate that. <laughs> what uh, What changed your mind? Um, it's one of those things like you always mean to do, and then every yeah. Friday you you think, oh man, I missed that next week, and then <laughs> step one happened, and then PhD started, and yeah. So so you're you're. Uh, you're firmly in the PhD phase of mm-hmm. MD PhD. I am. Yep. So now you uh, apparently have time available, <laughs> <laughs> or needed a break. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. What's your field? Neuroscience. Neuroscience. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad you finally joined us. Thank you. Hey, before we get too far, I want to report that I'm making progress on that special thing I've been teasing lately, but haven't been telling you what it is. If you want to be the very first to find out what exactly I've been whimpering on about <laughs> and to get a special leg up on the rest of your fellow listeners, and if it's one thing I know about meds, medical students and pre-med students, they like to have the advantage. Join our email list. Head on over to theshortcoat.com and look for the email sign-up form on the left side of the page. And get on that list, and that way you'll be first to find out, and you'll get a little special something <laughs> for your trouble. Um, no one sent any. This is like this could be the failed episode of the year because not only did Dylan not, <laughs> not only did people not show up to record, but nobody sent us questions by email at theshortcoats@gmail.com or by calling three four seven short CT or by commenting on social media. 
Tisk tisk listeners. And as we, you know, I we... love listener questions because they let us make episodes that are about what our listeners want to hear. So I want to blame the government shutdown. We can say that our intern got furloughed, and that's why we're falling through the cracks this week. Our intern got furloughed <laughs> a long time ago. Dave is our intern. I'll just so so instead of you know having it be what our listeners want it to be about, I'll just throw this out there instead. What harsh truths about medicine and medical school do you prefer to ignore? I like to ignore my debt. And when I get a quarterly statement with the, uh, the principal balance, my heart rate goes up and I breathe faster. And then I bury that and compartmentalize it and I will worry about it after I graduate. I don't in even six months. Yeah, I don't even look at the number. Like I get the email and then it's like I, I know what the email is. Like I know what it is. So I just like delete it. It's like I know this just tells me how much I owe, so I'm not gonna look. <laughs> <laughs> what bugs me though is when it affects my credit score and then like the extra loans drop it down. Then I get upset about it. But I don't let it don't let it affect me. I try not to. There's it, no point. No. There's no goddamn point. No. In worrying about it. You it, can't do anything about it. No, it's the point. cost of like this path we're on lj's over just over here smiling since she's an mstp student doesn't have to worry about this yeah i think i, I think in common with other mstp programs you guys are essentially uh you guys get have a pretty nice package of financially financial it's not package. bad but i mean we do pay in manual labor for a few years that so is true. <laughs> also we'll probably never make as much as you two full-time clinicians so do you think it comes out in the wash like all things said and done. All things said and done, they will make much more money than me in their lifetime for sure. Oh, okay. Yeah, definitely. Right. I mean, that's been looked at. But you get to tell them what to do. You get to be like, hey, science says this. Well, they'll probably be my residents. And they'll tell me what to do for a long time. They'll tell me how incompetent I am due to my lab work. And then eventually, maybe in 50 years from now, we'll be, we'll be equals. You'll, but we give you all fives, LJ. You'd get all fives. Oh, you. You'll be able to... In, in the future, when you're when you're all said and done, you'll be able to offer them uh, tips and tricks on how to be a good uh, evidence-based medicine doctor, which they will ignore. In the area of neuroscience, specifically. <laughs> yeah, only in neuroscience. <laughs> oh, shoot. You don't even get to deal with these two, then. Nope, probably not. What are you going to? I'm thinking family med right now. Oh. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't give up the kiddos, and I liked the adults, too. And oh, nice. I don't know. I just, I just liked it. Any other harsh truths? Oh, geez. I'm not going to let you get away with that easy. <laughs> I'm what, about you? What, what about you, uh, uh, LJ? Um, so it's not like the most uplifting thing, but I was going to say like um, time passing is something I, uh, it's like I realize it every so often and I'm kind of like, wow. Like I feel like I blinked and three years kind of went by mm -hmm. and... I mean, we, we have things to show for it, but only that we would really appreciate it, like our knowledge base, but like objectively, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like also like as and time passing and not really realizing what is going on outside of my bubble of lab kind mm. of a thing. Like I feel the least informed in what's going on with my friends in the world and like family members, but the most informed about neuroanatomy that I've ever been. We're <laughs> <So. laughs> just saying a lot. Right. I feel like you've been really... Yeah, I, yeah. but I mean, it's, but it's hard. You know, if you go on vacation like once a year, every few years with like friends or family and you're kind of like, oh my God, I'm so out of touch. I don't know anything that's yeah. going on. No, 
I feel that as well. Well, and and, and Hillary is in your entering class. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So not to, you know, bring up a sore point, but Hillary's going to graduate. Yes. And her Ooh. class is going to graduate. Yeah. And then you'll still be around. So that's another aspect of time passing. Exactly. I know. Yeah. <sighs> you have well, a little worse. Yeah. Dave Eller will still be here. Good. For you. Good. The podcast will still be here for me. <laughs> yeah. It's, I know it's, Just keep signing up. I know it's been a whistling, gaping hole in your life for the last two years. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, I felt like I was, I, I think my experience with medical school has kind of been like a dog chasing a car. <laughs> I tried for so long. It's so hard to like get here. And then now I feel like I'm just running behind the car and it never slowed down, which I should have known coming in. And I yeah. did know like objectively, but I'm like, oh, I thought like mentally things would slow down and they never will. And I, I and that's fine. You get used to it. You learn how to swim. Maybe when you get to your fourth year of residency. Maybe if I'm lucky. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just I anticipated like, I mean, it was a load off when I like finally got in, but it, like it, I'm just like oh now I'm in and I'm just like I now, now I'm a student is, now I'm just now I have to do not it. get forced out yeah 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 <laughs> yeah I think another harsh truth for me especially since I'm in like the step one dedicated study time right now is just how the majority of us will go into specialties where we will not be using the majority of information that we had to learn during these like four yeah. years here mm-hmm. like there's a lot of stuff that we're learning right now that like we will just never have to use again unless you're going into like maybe internal med or family med, something that's a little bit more broad. Or if you're like aunt asks you at Christmas about some like weird skin rash and you're <laughs> like a pathologist, <laughs> you might have to dig deep for I'm that a, info. Um, Is this really true? <laughs> Is this really true? Because uh, this reminds me of a discussion I had with my daughter recently about uh, algebra and you know, oh, I'm never going to need this. And I'm like, yes, you are going to, need this we just won't call it algebra when you need it but you know you're gonna need this but you're Eh, i mean i I know it's really hard to look to look at that now but i just have a hard time thinking about the times when i'm getting gonna need to know like the specific details of glycolysis or like the TCA cycle and knowing like all of the different intermediates and enzymes. Like I just can't think of a way in my future when I'm truly gonna need to have that information in my head and not just somewhere I can go look it up. It might be good to learn it once just so that like- You you, clearly have a deficient Krebs cycle patient. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, but like then, then if somebody is missing some sort of enzyme, you have like a framework to understand the, you know the types of things that could be wrong but you're right in terms of like did we really need to memorize it all yeah and i'm not opposed know. to like learning it all once it's just mm-hmm. like a truth that i like don't acknowledge myself that much is that like even though i'm learning all of this the chances of me actually needing to use this might be pretty small mm-hmm. like i'm fine learning it i'll learn it it's fine i would i would go so far as to say that large swaths of basic basic science material are not clinically relevant and given the growth of information clinically relevant information should be phased out of medical curriculum well there you go oh man there's a biochem professor with a knife behind me (laughs) we've been seen where is he (laughs) 
<laughs> murderous Rubenstein <laughs> visiting the studio. Um, all right. Well, let's focus on the flip side then. What do you prefer to focus on? Instead of harsh truths, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, what, what, what do you... So pleasant realities? Yeah, what pleasant realities <laughs> do, you, do you prefer to focus on? It's going to be crickets. I wanted to do that. No, 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 no. Seriously, though, like, just like a dog chasing a car, going back to that, like, I wanted to do this for so long, and, like, being six months from graduation, like, it's, it's so exciting. I, I love that, like, I'm finally, like, I'm I'm on the tail end of, of like, the thing that I, of the first part of training of the thing that I want to do, and, like, I don't know, I try to, like, be an optimist that way, because it's too easy to get bogged down otherwise, like, I wanted to do this most of my life and, and I'm doing it and I know that for a substantial portion of like people at large that's not they don't get to do exactly what they want to do so mm -hmm. I feel fortunate that way mm -hmm. I yeah. snuck you oh, backstage yeah. to a graduation this past year oh so good and right. I what did you oh man man you, also that... like there we have this weird thing in my family where we well my mom and I loved graduations we love like Oh, like the symbolism and like it, you're celebrating like an <laughs> academic That's achievement. So Rob just has pomp and circumstance as his ringtone or something. <laughs> Alarm clock, get it right. No, um, <laughs> no, like I, I really appreciate that you did that. Like it was, it was really exciting to like picture myself a year later, like in their shoes mm -hmm. and like looking ahead to residency and like the next step. Is you 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 need you need to, you need that to like. Hold on. You need something to look forward to to keep yourself going in the day to day. Yeah, maybe we should start a program whereby, in the at the end of your second year, or at the end of your third year, all students get to go backstage and watch everybody else graduate, or at least bring me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> because I can like I'll have to speak at graduation for mine, and Rob has to speak at graduation yeah. this year, so it's like I kind of want to see it once before. Well, I mean that's why I th that played a part in. Because you're both student government, mm -hmm. and yeah. Rob being in student government played a part in why he was there. I assume that will play the same part for you while yes. you while you're there at graduation. It's just hey man, I'm yeah, I'm here for you. I'll find you, Dave. Okay, sneak, sneak me backstage. <laughs> uh, well, good. Anything? Any other things you'd like to focus on? In contrast. Just to play devil's advocate Do to your basic science comment. Uh, <laughs> I, that's actually what I focus on. It's going to be a fight. It's going to be a fight. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I totally respect people who feel that way that like, you know, the, you know, that it's fine. But I actually like find that to be the most gratifying part of medical school. And even seeing yeah. patients when I realize like I understand the basic science at play or um, maybe I could use you know some sort of basic science to reason my way through what's going on that is like the yeah kind of moment hell yes kind of moment that's fine <laughs> <laughs> um so and that's like what gets me up every day yeah but i i understand a lot of people don't think of it that way i i, I appreciate <laughs> that and i also love cascades and i love being able to reason <laughs> So I, maybe we there is no you're devil's speaking, advocate. Of course, I, I'm just saying, <laughs> like in terms of like, I, I, I mean, you're speaking, of course, of the Cascade Mountains, which <laughs> yes, 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 okay, obviously about the dish detergent. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just mean like in terms of like mandatory curriculum that everybody gets should be limited to things that everybody will use, or that can help in a clinically relevant way. 
I feel like careers. that is a very dangerous line to walk because then I can just think of all the times where we have clinical experiences where like if someone's going into pathology, do they really need to do a two week or an ENT? There was a lot of path on it. Um, but yes, I feel yeah, you. Yeah, so I feel like that would be a very fine line to walk. Mm-hmm. Once you start cutting out some stuff, they could start cutting out a lot and then you'd have a lot of angry doctors on your hands. Mm-hmm. Just never fun. Nope. All right. Well, good. Would you agree, guys, to change the subject, would you agree that anecdotal evidence is not scientifically valid? Give me an example. Well, by definition, it might be. (laughs) (laughs) It was like the worst intro to a topic ever. Uh, Would you agree that a randomized control trial is best when seeking evidence? Yes. Okay. And that, comparatively speaking, (laughs) anecdotal evidence is not? Yes. Okay. (laughs) What if the anecdote was... I jumped out of a plane with a parachute, and the parachute saved me from becoming a dark stain upon the earth. Would you agree that that is valuable evidence that parachutes save lives? Where's the evidence? What? Well, it's still alive. The evidence being that one anecdote. Right. I think I need an old hypothesis where somebody doesn't have a parachute. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, (laughs) that's what an article in the December 13th uh, British Medical Journal entitled Parachute Use to Prevent Death and Major Trauma When Jumping from Aircraft Randomized Control Trial was all about. The trial is known by the acronym PARACHUTE or (laughs) Participation in Randomized uh, Trials Compromised by Widely Held Beliefs About Lack of Treatment Equipoise. That was good emphasis. Thank you, Dave. Try, try. Participants were randomly assigned to a group which wore a fake parachute, which was basically a backpack that was filled with weights. Oh, okay. Mm. And they jumped out of a plane, which was on the ground and not moving. And an experimental group, which did the same with a real parachute. Uh, The results? Neither group suffered any injuries, and there were no differences between the two groups, allowing the investigators to conclude that parachute use does not affect the health outcomes of jumping from planes. Thoughts? Whoever took the time to write out this study, like, I just, like, I feel like there's a better use of your time. Wait, I, but I feel, I think this, I think BMJ does, like, a humorous issue every year. Yeah, they Christmas do. Christmas time, yeah. They did one on, like, family medicine, I think I read a few oh, years okay. ago or recently, I don't remember. But yeah, they yeah, do. Yeah, but, I mean, the detail in the, in the design of this, and they actually did this. This is not just, you know, fooling around. They actually did this. And there was a point. But I love the detailed design. So prospective students were screened while they traveled on commercial or private aircraft by uh, investigators. Passengers were uh, selected based on their seating position near the investigators (laughs) 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 who themselves were traveling for reasons unrelated to the trial itself. (laughs) And the, the, uh, the participants were asked whether they would be willing to be randomized to jump out of the plane at its current altitude and airspeed, um, completing an anonymous survey. Uh, they later enrolled individuals willing to participate and <laughs> and randomized them into the parachute group and the sham parachute group. Uh, jumps were conduct were then conducted at two small airports, one in Massachusetts and one in Michigan, and were done from either a helicopter or a small plane uh, that were on the ground. Uh, for each jump, the velocity and altitude of the plane were recorded. 
which was always zero. Uh, and a follow-up interview with each participant recorded their vital status and any injuries suffered. A commonly used score called the Injury Severity Score was assigned, and then they were interviewed 30 days after the trial, uh, completing a short-form health survey to discern whether any changes have been suffered to health-related quality of life as well as mental and physical functioning. So they were, <laughs> I feel like they were super thorough in their, uh, in their randomly controlled design. And the point is apparently this. They say that the parachute has been used by clinicians as a reason to treat anecdotal evidence as valid when considering a treatment. After all, we all know that parachutes save lives. We don't have to study that. Can't that be the case for other things like this thing that I believe? Right? Many clinicians have strongly held beliefs about the effectiveness of biologically plausible and expert endorsed treatments that have no rigorously study, studied evidence. And so they wanted to point out that, guys, you know, we often find out that these are wrong later. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I wish that I did my research and found uh something to like substantiate what they're like claiming in terms of like uh, maybe something was so obvious to everybody at some point like oh clearly you should you should do x because it reduces y and then they found out that it was you know there's a major confound variable in the study um you know what i mean yeah. Like sometimes in medicine there or, or, or anything in life that there's something very obvious happening um but then it turns out it, you know, it was a subtlety of the obvious, like, I mean, this is so stupid, but like, what if parachutes don't save people? It's the straps hanging from the parachutes. <laughs> I don't know. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, obviously that's stupid, but in medicine, you could say that, you know, similar things. Like if you think that a treatment's working, but really it's actually the volume of liquid that was going to the patient that was helpful, but it had nothing specific to the medicine you're giving or mm. I don't know. Or, or just the, that <laughs> people are often selective for randomly controlled trials based on the severity of their illness. So if they're too severe, we don't want them mm -hmm. yeah. for the trial. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we tend to select people who are not as severely ill or severely affected by their condition mm -hmm. as we might otherwise. And so, if, yeah, they're likely to, they may be more likely to have an observed benefit. And mm -hmm. there are all kinds of these um, confounding variables. Nobody had ever, just, had ever studied the parachute thing before. So... <laughs> How far was the jump for them from the plane? Like, to, like, yeah, two, two feet. Two feet. Yeah. Okay. I mean, people can get hurt falling that far. <laughs> yeah. Somebody in the com somebody in the comments in BMJ was like, "Well, I would be. I'm surprised that the people with the actual parachutes weren't more injured exactly. because those are often really. But I guess they were. They wore equivalently heavy um, items, so maybe that was why. <laughs> But you know, I guess the I guess the point is clinical. You know, context matters. You know, when you're looking at these randomly controlled mm -hmm. trials, when you're looking at anecdotal evidence, um, and trying to figure out which is more valid, you have to consider the context of the study itself and all this kind of stuff. Because you can easily make an assumption in a randomly controlled trial that would you know potentially mm -hmm. change the result if it were not have been made. Okay. You said you should suggest this article to the people that put together our evidence-based clinical practice modules that we have to sit painfully through. through. <laughs> oh, why is that? I thought those would be uh, those oh. would be good. You guys are always clamoring for oh, yes. uh, for clinically relevant uh, hoo-ha. They're so fun to learn about <laughs> statistics and ugh. 
No, but this would be a fun article. Yeah. Tell Dean Rahal. Okay. It would. Yeah. I mean, it would, it's it like it demonstrates a point. Yeah. Got to challenge our assumptions. Yeah. Tell Dave, it's good to have your. Do you assumptions. know what happens when you assume? <laughs> I I've heard. I've heard. Well, there you go. Medicine is complicated. That's for sure. Medicine is complicated. Medicine is complicated. Aside from all the science, I mean, disease is bound up in society's problems too, right? A recent study on the effect of drugs and or exercise on blood pressure found that drugs only won out by about four millimeters HG on average. So exercise pretty much almost as effective at uh, changing blood pressure as drugs, right? If you have two treatments that are nearly equally effective, as was found in, a recent, in this recent study, um, doctors and patients will choose drugs every time, mm-hmm. right? Because it's easy. Is that why? Compliance is a big issue, I'm sure. Yeah. Like it's that. Well, I mean, doctors will choose it because it's easy for them to get a good result. Patients will choose it because it's easy for them to actually do. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you get around that? Because because exercise is free. Drugs are expensive. I mean, exercise mm-hmm. isn't necessarily free. I mean, it, there are certain programs that you can do at home. True. But like you have to buy like tennis shoes if you're going to do it. Um, sometimes you might want a gym membership for more of the like weight training, which mm-hmm. is super beneficial. So you might need to pay for that. So it's not necessarily free. Not to mention time costs. Money. And time consuming. Yeah. It's yeah. huge. Also, I mean, I, I feel like a lot of it is just the perception, especially like, I don't know, Americans perception that like, unless you get a pill, like your doctor isn't taking you seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like if you don't feel well and they're like, Go home and drink fluids and take Advil. You're like, yeah, 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 whatever. I'm clearly I'm fine. Doesn't think I'm sick. So if your doctor's like, oh, just exercise, they're like, okay, whatever. I must be fine. <laughs> so, I'm I'm not one of those people when it comes to many things. Uh, you know, the sort of people who are like, give me a drug or else you're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. For instance, whenever I get a fever, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna suck it up because I know this fever is like getting rid of all the little germies inside me in fact i don't take anything for like the first two days <laughs> nothing at all um no yeah not really <laughs> i mean unless it's really bad but if it's like not that bad you know if it's the flu i'll probably take a a uh whatever fever reducer of some sort antipyretic of some sort but usually i'm like nope i'm gonna wait this out because i want i want to burn all those bugs away is this a valid idea? Fever's there for a reason, I figure. Me. Me. I mean, it depends on how miserable you are. You're probably yeah. going to clear the infection no matter what. So instead, you're. But won't it be shorter if I don't? I think we need a randomized control. Yeah, we better, so. we better. We better. That's a fair that. point. Surely there has been one, right? I mean, this is a low risk kind of yeah, study. The same thing with that study is the same thing I was going to say about your blood pressure study is who are the subjects because yeah maybe maybe medicine is equally good at or exercise is equally as good as medicine as re- you know reducing your blood pressure in a certain population but yeah yeah and how much time in the study did they give like physicians to counsel about weight loss because i feel like that's mm-hmm. a big constraint too in like yeah. how medicine operates today is i don't think so weight much... loss was a concern exercise I mean, exercise, exercise. Yeah. um it's so much easier for a physician to just like 
have a couple clicks on their computer and give you a med rather than like, okay, we're going to spend the next 20 minutes mm-hmm. talking about like effective ways to exercise. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, there's just yeah. no way you can but fit also, that into like, the day. But also like it can't just be any exercise. I'm sure like in this study, they had to get their heart rate to, you know, some, you know, they, mm-hmm. you, you would need to explain what would be the parameters around your exercise to make it as effective as the medication. So you're right that that seems like a, a kind of a hurdle. Yeah. You'd spend all day just counseling people on exercise for hypertension and not be able to Which address anything Which might be worth doing. Else. Yeah. We just need to make space for that in well, clinical and this practice. Hasn't, <laughs> sure, yeah. The authors claim that um, these two things have rarely been compared directly in any rigorous setting um so we don't actually have a ton of information about the relative effects of exercise versus blood pressure medication which i find surprising because just like in the parachute study i guess people pretty much take it on faith that exercise is gonna you know is a good thing and Mm -hmm. and medicine is just I don't know what I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> also, the, also of note, the American Car- uh, College of Cardiology has recently lowered the threshold for diagnosing stage one hypertension, mm-hmm. which means that many more people may end up taking uh, drugs to lower their blood pressure than ever before. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of it's kind of relevant, kind of valid to think about. Mm. Anywho, you guys feel like you get enough sleep in med school? No. How many, how many hours a week do you think when you're on cl- let let's pick a specific example mm. when you're in clinics which clinic though I know it varies mm-hmm. let's say surgery okay or OB something like that surgery is probably worse surgery is worse <laughs> yeah how many hours a night do you think you get mm. I mean it depends on who you are and how much you oh make for God's s- sake Hillary just <laughs> probably like six to seven six okay. to seven all right Rob when I was on surgery, five hours was a good night. Okay. Oh my gosh. Wow. Jeez. Is that because you were studying? Uh, no, no. I just like, <laughs> I get home late and I have to get up early and like, it takes a while to fall asleep. And yeah. I don't, I, and I'm, I'm one in general that sleeps less than most people. So it was, I assume something like family medicine or other you know, psych or something you get. Oh, plenty. Plenty of sleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sleep is among the most valuable non-tangible things I think probably med students um, can acquire. It's getting more so apparently. Eight or nine hours is, of course, the gold standard of good sleep, but the number of Americans getting less than six hours of sleep is rising. Since 2004, that number has gone up by 15%. Uh, that represents about nine million people more getting less, nine million more people getting less than six hours of uh quality shut eye no wonder we're all so grumpy and pissed off also black and hispanic people get even less sleep and their numbers have been increasing even more than than white people Hmm. put that in your pipe and smoke it get some get some some sleep you guys i prioritize sleep yeah like i I do know too i'll stop like i need i need at least seven hours otherwise i'm just like least you know what i got for christmas a weighted blanket. Oh, oh I nice. want one so bad, but they're yeah. expensive. They are expensive. And they I only got the twin so- size one because it was so goddamn expensive. <laughs> Plus, you know, like I imagine shipping was a bitch. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it is super heavy. Amazon like, Prime. Yeah. Amazon, Prime. <laughs> Amazon took a bath on that one. <laughs> so my uh, my brother. Not a sponsor. 
has a <laughs> my brother has a, a a weighted blanket and i i stayed with him um in november uh to go to a meeting and mm-hmm. he's like oh i have this weighted blanket do you want to use it i i can't use it and i'm like why mm-hmm. and he's like i bought it i was really excited about it but every time i wear it my body thinks it's being suffocated and i have nightmares oh my god <laughs> <laughs> Not well, that in the reviews and like, i'm just like uh, i warning, never thought about that so, so i used it i did not have any nightmares but it did feel weird that has not been my experience at all I, <laughs> Do you, I love, you love it. it yeah I, I took a nap on christmas day with it and i don't know if it, i honestly i don't know if it was the nap because i love naps or if it was the blanket itself but man it was sweet <laughs> i just want to be able and to I like always like heavy blankets i always want a weighty blanket on yeah me. and this mm-hmm. is why yep. it was my present i love a weighty blanket but it can't be like too warm like well, ugh. that's the other problem now so now no. i my the first night i tried it i had both the comforter and the weighted blanket that's a lot it was yeah it was it was too much i want to be able to just rent a weighted blanket to see if i like it and not have to pay for it and then if i like it i'll buy it well but it's just like it's so expensive yeah, yeah. Really expensive. For I, a blanket that's essentially filled with i think sand <laughs> It's expensive. Oh, weird. Is it sand? I, I don't know. I think that's like glass beads or something. Yeah, I feel like mm. sand would just like leak out everywhere. <laughs> it's pretty sandy though. It does feel pretty. I can't, you know, obviously I can't tell what size the particles are or whatever, but they feel pretty sandy to me. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. If I guess if I could tell what size the particles are, I would probably return it. But I invested in a sleep mask a few years ago and I'm, I, I was very skeptical and I'm like, oh, you know, like only people in like Southern California wear sleep masks. Like, being a Midwesterner, <laughs> it was life changing. Like hilarious. Inverse, <laughs> inverse coast snootiness. Um, yes, yes. I went to college in South, so, Southern California. Did you say Southern California? Yeah. And I don't think they wear more sleep masks. No, no, no. It's just, <laughs> just my uninformed island perspective. Those wear them during the day. That's how weirdos. <laughs> I have nothing against the people of Southern California. Mm-hmm. I do. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so like, anyway, your sleep mask. Yes. Like just re- like reducing that like like visual stimulus of yes. light. Yes. Uh, like allows me to conk out faster and it's yes. amazing. Is it something that like, do you have the ones that like sit right on your eyes or do they kind of like cone out so nothing's actually touching your eyelids? Mm, it's a little bit of both. I, I feel like I can have like it little, touching my eyelids. You get used, to, it feels weird at first, but you get used to it. And now, but okay, so, so okay, I used to work in a sleep lab. Did you? Yeah, and I sleep research and I was like super obsessed with like figuring out for myself, like how do I make myself like an experiment, you know? And I, I started doing the same thing, sleep mask, because I didn't want my retinas to be stimulated by any light. Mm-hmm. And then sound and the problem. Okay, yes, I sleep so much better. But then the problem is you get used to it. Mm-hmm. And now if I'm like at somebody's house and I was unprepared or like my luggage got like lost, I cannot sleep. Yeah, everything, <laughs> everything it ruins is like, you. yeah, all bets are off when you're in a yeah, different environment or whatever. Totally. So I actually recently lost my sleep mask. <laughs> oh, oh boy. poor guy. F. I feel for you. I just need to like, I just need to order another one. But... <laughs> I have been, um, or use a sock. Oh. <laughs> I, ha- I, I have been, I have, I've been using, uh, uh, like a, a handkerchief mm. and, and then, um, we recently saw the, uh, the trailer for uh bird box. Oh yeah. And 
now my husband just like laughs at me because he's like, you look like Sandra Bullock. <laughs> I've always thought Not so. Not a bad thing. I've always thought so. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to need to get another sleep mask. Right. And try some earplugs. Just going to throw it out there. Yeah. Oh, I like blackout curtains. I also have Oh, those. yeah, yeah. We have those, I, yeah. Then I don't have to wear a sleep mask. It's so dark. Our bedroom needs an upgrade uh, curtain wise because there's a street light that's literally right Ugh, in no. the middle of the window that points at my face. And, and I, yeah, I got to take care of that. My wife makes fun of me. She sleeps like a log. She she has to use a different bath. So we have a master bedroom and a master bath, right? She ha she has decided that she has to use a completely different bathroom because otherwise I will wake up in the middle of the night <laughs> and not be able to go back to sleep. I have terrible sleep habits or terrible sleep. I feel like I'm trying. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not not trying to be asleep, but I just have this problem. Anyway. Uh, the results, by the way, uh, getting back to the issue at hand, the results, by the way, came from a survey, which means that it's probably in reality that the, the lack of sleep that people are getting in this survey is probably actually higher mm -hmm. than the survey results indicated since people usually report getting more sleep than they actually do get. Because people are liars. <laughs> they're not liars. They're just confused. How are you supposed to measure something that you're asleep for? <laughs> Right. They should have used like Fitbit data yeah. or something. Right. Actually, mm -hmm. your data. The study didn't try to figure out why this is happening, although it suggests that stress and cell phone use at night could be a factor. You guys use cell phones for you? Go to bed. Yeah, I do. I do. But <laughs> I do turn it on. I the night you, yeah. I guarantee you that Reduce every single person light. in America is Reduce like staring the blue into light. Cell. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I have it set for the, thing. the yellow mode. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think perhaps it could also be that um, many poor people. Uh, who, so as we said, you know, the mm -hmm. num higher numbers are greater for Hispanics and blacks. Uh, many poor people who are more likely to be members of minority groups also work more than one job and so may not mm -hmm. have as much opportunity to get eight hours in. Mm -hmm. um, it's probably, I, yeah. know, I would guess that's a contributing factor. And a lot of times, like the people who live or who are at a lower SES or socioeconomic status, like they might live along railroad lines. Mm -hmm. So they'll be waking up by railroads all night or, or work like, like on a busy street. Or noise, yeah. 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 So there's yeah. a lot of reasons why or like happening. shift work was another big mm -hmm. thing we're mm -hmm. hearing about and like people yep. who like you just can't fall asleep or your sleep is really fragmented when you do sleep because you're used to working different shifts and your body doesn't have like a really good circadian rhythm for sleep i wonder if i'd be better off with shift work i mean i don't think anyone is now. better off with shift work no. but <laughs> okay the job i had before med school i was second shift so i worked 3 to 11 30 and I had a very considerate coworker who was sick, like, I don't know, 40% of the time. <laughs> oh, geez. And so because I did not have kids or a spouse to go home to at the time, and I lived like two blocks from the hospital, I would always volunteer because you're a good boy. And also you get paid. Um, but like, so I would have to, I would extend my shift from the 1130 cutoff to 4 a.m. No. Mm -mm. And I, I mean, I would probably do it like weekly at least. Oh my gosh! And the, and but like the sleep you get after that, especially once your body like your body knows that the, the sun's out or yeah. your circadian rhythms and all like yeah, it just it really messes with you. Oh yeah, like you have homeostatic drives that are used to waking you up at that time, right? So like mm -hmm. cortisol level starts to go up and everything. So then you're trying to sleep through that and fight it. You're not gonna get good sleep. Anyway. <laughs> well, I wish you all good sleep in the new year. 
I wish me good sleep during the new year. I don't have to wish my wife good sleep during the new year. Cause <laughs> She'll get it. She's got it. Fire alarms going off. Just, she'll sleep through it all. <laughs> you guys, uh, it's been a while since we did this. Um, but I think it's time that you had some practice answering questions from real life people. So let's visit the saddest place on the internet. Yahoo Answers. Are we ready for this? Mm-hmm. Yes, please. LJ, you haven't been on the show before, but the idea is to offer these people good advice. Gotcha. On their, on their problems. All right. Here's our first question. How do I get rid of sausage fingers? Sauce. Anybody here have sausage fingers? Hold up your fingers. <laughs> I don't. I would say no. I don't think anybody <laughs> has sausage fingers. I mean, this, of course, refers to the uh, common medical condition where your fingers look like sausages. Well, isn't that associated with psoriatic arthritis? Like say, she wait, could have be. something. Sausage digits. Sausage right? digits are associated with psoriatic arthritis, <laughs> and she should go to the doctor just in case. Really? So, so you're not just talking about fat fingers. You're talking about something. No, like they're no. called sausage digits. Because I've had fat fingers. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I, we need to know the etiology of yeah. and, and the associated fingers. symptoms, and you know. Yeah. Ma'am, can we see your flexor surfaces, please? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, are her hands swelling throughout the day? Is that why they're becoming mm-hmm. like bigger? Are they worse with activity? I just I, this this is this is brilliant because I just assumed that she just had fat fingers <laughs> and was like, I really hate my fingers. I mean, that might be what's going that on. Could be. <laughs> that could I didn't, be. I didn't realize like, this was like a legit. Given the incidence of sausage digits yeah due to psoriatic arthritis <laughs> <laughs> who knows my dad so kind of has sausage fingers but doesn't have psoriatic arthritis mm. and they're just i don't know that's what his fingers are you know what has sausage fingers dad is, is this that... your question <laughs> <laughs> you know what has sausage fingers dad, is, that, there? <laughs> is that that uh painting of one of our ex-deans on the wall outside of uh i have outside not, no. of admissions go look at his fingers i will go look at yeah they look weird outside of admissions yeah like Hanging Outside up. of Amy's office, sorry, the, the PA one. The the one uh, biosec. Okay. okay, I will look. Go check that out. He has sausage fingers. Best answer, I thought, uh, might I suggest exercising your fingers by making them jog on the table or introducing them to ballet. <laughs> an, an <effective> no. <laughs> introduce them to ballet. An effective tutu can be made of toilet paper. <laughs> the saddest Terrible. answer. Honey, I do not know. But working on losing weight myself, and tomorrow is my birthday, and nobody has made plans, so why bother to get a cake? <laughs> oh, my God. oh no! Mm, oh, oh, sad. I'm sorry. Oh. That is sad. All right. Well, I think you didn't. I think you educated me there. I was not thinking I was going to learn today. I thought I was going to like maintain my base level of knowledge. But now you know. What'd you oh. call it? Psoriatic what? Arthritis. Arthritis? Yeah. Psoriatic arthritis. It's an autoimmune thing. Spelled like it sounds. All right. Uh, here is the next question. Okay. So, me and my friend decided to take metal and burn it and burn shit into our skin. LOL. <laughs> I just wanted to know if it will get infected. LOL. <laughs> LOL. Oh, no. I mean, it Do you see why, on... LJ, I call this the saddest place on the internet? Yeah. <laughs> like, how much metal are we talking about here? Yeah. How, bad, how bad is the burn? <laughs> how bad is the burn? Like, I was thinking of it more as a as a branding situation than as in pouring, yes. like, liquid metal on your skin. Okay, I assume. I just, yeah. I, just I don't know check in. Yeah. Because isn't silver, like, antimicrobial? So if it's silver. It is. 
I, <laughs> I mean, yes, but the burn is not antimicrobial. <laughs> they have a whole Hillary prescribes, <laughs> Hillary prescribes burning yourself with silver as an, anti, as an antimicrobial. Yes. Medicine. Kids, do not Obviously. go home and use no, please burning do not do silver that. as an antimicrobial. Do not do, not do no, that. I mean, I was going to say they have an entire board dedicated to burns. Yeah. So, yes, they do get infected. Yes. <laughs> with yeah. very nasty bugs. Mm. Yeah. Don't don't do that. I want I you to wash it. Imagine the two kids that are like addressing. I can't imagine my children. Like I, I mean, you know, maybe this is because I'm their parent, and I I think my children could never do any wrong. <laughs> but you know, I just can't imagine them and their friends sitting around going, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to burn the shit out of myself. It sounds great. <laughs> you can't imagine that. No. Have you met teenage boys? Yeah, that's that's that. I mean, I have yeah. one. I mean, I feel like. By the way, I, I selected male voices for many of these. <laughs> And I think it's because I can't really see women doing this, doing I mean, these things. I just remember in high school, people would spray axe on their arms, then light their arm on fire because it would burn the axe off. Yeah. And how much evidence do I need? You know, we've got like Tide Pod challenges and cinnamon challenges and yeah, it's all for the clicks. I, can't, I feel like it's so much worse now that you can like put it onto social media, like videos of this. And get, get feedback and attention. Yeah, get attention from it. Because negative like attention is still attention. In high school, people would just talk about it and be like, mm. oh, cool. But now you like actually have people watching and commenting cool. and liking. Uh, I remember, okay, I, I'm talking at my ass here because I, I remember uh, in college, so I wasn't even a teenager, I was in college, freshman. We discovered that you could make the elevators run with the doors open by doing some very specific thing. But basically it involved putting your hand in between the two doors. Oh my God. And then <sighs> flipping back this plate and letting the, you know, and then the elevator would run. Um, and that was great. <laughs> did that a lot until my friend got his arm caught. Yeah. <gasps> and yeah. Uh, I think back to this day and I'm like, man, he did not lose his hand. Uh, but he could have. Yeah. Jeez. So... I guess I'm so full of shit I squeak going into a turn when I when I talk about these things. <laughs> keep an eye on your teenage patients, folks. Ooh. All right, let's uh, take a look at the next one. I'm writing a care plan for a patient with diabetes who just had a leg amputation. Since patients with diabetes drink and urinate frequently, but before surgery the patient should not eat or drink, should I list in my care plan that the patient pees frequently? I would say... Or should I base the amount of urine output on how much fluid I gave to them? I would say that the best place to go for your answer to this question would be Yahoo Answers. Like, <laughs> who is asking this question? Is this like a doctor? I like, mean, I know they have some yeah. medical knowledge because, mm -hmm. you know, because of the question that you just all heard. But why would they consult this audience? I mean, the Yahoo WebMD audience, crashed. not us. Because, wow, what? I said WebMD crashed. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> How about asking your attending physician yeah, yeah. who clearly <laughs> would be disappointed if they knew who you were resourcing, crowdsourcing for this? My my thought my thought is Cite like sources. If, if, Yahoo answers. So they're probably not a well-controlled diabetic if they just had an amputation. But if you get their blood sugar well controlled, they're gonna pee less. Yeah. Wait, yeah, but was I the don't... was the question acutely? I I kind of missed it because I was just yeah. so shocked. About I didn't quite understand exactly what they were the wanting was, to know. Do they do they need to control the ins and outs based on? Was that the question? Yeah. Uh, should I list in my care plan that the patient pees frequently, or should I base the amount of urine output on how much fluid I gave to them? 
you should measure the urine output not by how much you put in, but by how much output they have. Yeah, mm-hmm. you measure both. <laughs> you mo- measure ins and outs. Yes. It's eyes and outs. Both. You do them both. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. This person's getting a mm-hmm. Nobel Prize in medicine. You know what, though? We, we should give him a little bit of credit for, for asking the question and not just going ahead and... I mean, the fact that they were skeptical implied that they, you know, they knew a little bit. That's really kind of you. I just, (laughs) I'm just saying. I don't want to discourage people from asking questions that we all laugh at because you should ask that question before you do something. True. (laughs) That is true. The cadence of that question was very fast, so it made it sound like they were anxious about it. (laughs) I would be anxious too. (laughs) My theory here is that this person is a student doing some sort of assignment and that they're trying to get the inter- internet to do their assignment for them. Yeah. So did people actually respond? Yeah, they did. Um, with advice. Oh. Huh. I, I don't know if if uh, it was good advice or not. I'm not equipped to evaluate that, but, you know. So I guess it's, it is it is a valid thing to do when you have homework that you don't want to do yourself. <laughs> Go to Yahoo Answers. And, mm-hmm. and uh I mean, I would so much rather ask my like classmates or, you know, the physicians around me. But if you want to put that one up to the internet, <laughs> mm-hmm. maybe she has no friends among her classmates. Maybe it's her birthday and her cake. Oh, and, and she, oh. nobody's made any plans, and she's sad. Sad. Yeah. All right, I got another one. Mm-hmm. I sat and dried poop on a toilet seat. Should I go to the ER? I went to use my bathroom this morning that I share with a girl, and after I got up, I saw a little bit of dried poop or blood on it. It was brownish. I'm so worried. It was towards the back, so hopefully it only hit my skin. But it was dry because I needed a disinfectant wipe to get it off. Can I get HIV or any diseases this way? It's a lot of uh, helpful detail in this question. I think I think you're going to be able to get a good history from this patient based on the level of detail <laughs> I want to thank them for painting a picture that's helpful <laughs> it was brown oh my gosh uh, my first reaction was like chill bro because fecal transplants have shown many a benefit so mm-hmm. you should be so lucky oh, to have it's a good point you should be so lucky so when to have I've, contact cause, with cause, that because I mean this has probably happened to everybody you go into the thing and there's a little speck you know and you're like oh my gosh I'm gonna have to wipe that off now or go to a different bathroom am I you guys are looking at me like Dave you Rob hasn't looked at me at all so I know it's happened to I, I'm thinking about it no like I part of my routine in a public restroom I guess this isn't a public restroom but like I always check to make sure the seat is clean and doesn't yeah, yeah. have like urine on it yeah and what do you but what do you do if there's a little speck of dried poop I haven't come into that. Uh, what? I've never. I've never been either. present for that type of vignette before. What? We also was. I, I'm like, not going to say this happens on, on a the daily seat, basis. Though? The people of Iowa have fantastic aim. <laughs> <laughs> How can you have bad aim sitting? That's what I want. But look, the point is. Okay, this has happened to me. <laughs> Dave, was this you? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I haven't. As far as I know, I haven't done this. Dave's trying to get free advice from us right now. But I'm just saying, like, if I want a fecal transplant, I don't have to go to the hospital. Just go to the bathroom. Where are you going to the bathroom that every day? (laughs) Where do you hang out? I'm not saying it's every day. I'm saying that sometimes it happens. Wait, I thought you were the only one that used your bathroom. I thought your wife uses a different bathroom. I'm talking about around here. (laughs) Talking about around here. 
Mm. We also didn't this. Um, I think getting a fecal transplant from a family member probably be less effective than getting a fecal transplant from a stranger because you're all sharing the same. Do you have different environments? Probably, yeah. yeah. But we didn't this question. Um, weren't they saying something about how they live with a female? Yeah, Your roommate's a female. Yeah, yeah. Roommates, and a girl. it could have been blood and not poop. So it wasn't a public restroom either. This right, is right. Like, yeah. Hmm. I would just talk to your roommate and be like, clean up the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> And we should after you go to the uh, ER, I'm just like, concerned because about ER doctors need to laugh too. Sir, please just look at the seat before you sit down on it. Like problem solved. But it's question is, does he need to go to the ER? So, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> please do not. If this was a real patient, I would say, you know, I'm glad that you asked that question. Right now, I don't think that that's necessary. <laughs> uh, I want you to keep an eye on your if you develop any symptoms or you feel differently. I would I would call and try to talk to a nurse. Yeah, I would call. <laughs> but I'm glad that you asked. Yeah. Maybe they'll uh, hear this and they can use this recording instead of actually talking <laughs> to the doctor or nurse. Oh. All right. Let's try another one. Should I be concerned about how I urinate 20 jars worth of piss a day? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> how big are the jars? <laughs> Oh, I was going to say, like, did you recently, <laughs> maybe they recently had an amputation and they are because they're the diabetic patient that number two wrote about. And they have an incompetent care plan creator. Yeah, yeah. their medical student is not controlling the ins and outs correctly. <laughs> are you hooked up to an IV that's giving you copious amounts of saline and no one's measuring your output? <laughs> What in the world? What are the circumstances? Also, why are you peeing in the jars? Maybe they're like long haul truckers. I have no idea. Oh, gosh. When I was in high school, there were guys on the football team who, I mean, I just waited until we got off the, the bus to pee, but there were people that would pee in pop bottles. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. And I'm just like, why don't we go over a bump? <laughs> let's just wait again teenagers have a difficult time planning for consequences mm -hmm. so okay relevant relevant story when i when i worked in a pathology lab we would frequently get 24-hour urine specimens most often from pregnant women at risk for preeclampsia mm. and they were sent home with a specific orange receptacle <laughs> that did not allow light through it and that was that but every so often you'd get urine back in something that wasn't <laughs> that like a like variety like jars. of containers 20 jars no perhaps. no no 20 jars worth but like full gallon milk jug we, we milk jugs and I, one time we got a two liter mountain dew bottle of urine <laughs> oh, that's terrifying and like but like it was like ridiculous because like it was very obviously like a pop bottle, but then it had like the patient label on it. <laughs> <laughs> so wait a minute. Where did they, if they lost the bottle? Okay, I, could see I think they, they got sent home with a label. Oh, like that because you need you, it needs to have an identifier on it when you bring it in. Uh huh. I've never been sent home with a sample jar that didn't already have the label on. It. I don't know. Apparently, somebody did not label that for them. Somebody's lab person is not doing their their job if they're sending home just the label and a bottle separately mm. 
Couldn't be a University of Iowa lab. Certainly that's not. That's for sure. Certainly not. We're, we're way too good for that. Diligent. Yeah. I, you know, what, what, what would be the, I guess the, the cause for extreme urination, extremely high output would be diabetes. S-I-E-H. Any others that we need to think about? I mean, if they're on a diuretic, they could start putting yeah. out much. I'm just worried that they're keeping it in jars. That implies glass. Glass can break. That is mm-hmm. a lot of glass jars yeah. of pee. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Careful, sir. Be careful. Yeah. Take care, my friend. A century ago, perhaps we would have uh, tasted the urine to make our diagnosis. Yeah. That is true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What would it taste like? Sweet. If it was, uh, there was a pathology, right? It depends on the pathology. Mm -hmm. What would you be looking for? Do you know? Sweetness. Yeah. Sweetness. End of story. (laughs) (laughs) You said that. Sweetness. (laughs) I mean, mean, I'm sure it'd be clear-ish. Yeah. Uh Because they're producing so much. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I'm sure it would be really gross if there was an infection, so. Yeah, you'd look for like sediment or like cloudiness. smell. I mean, 20 jars, I would see a doctor. Yeah. Just going to put it out there. Just maybe, like, I mean, I would see one for the fact CYA that you are collecting your pee in jars. Yeah. I, mean, I would see one for that. Yeah. So just, just, no, just go to a doctor <laughs> and tell them the story. And doctor. If you don't have like diabetes insipidus or something, you should also be at that doctor for other yeah. <laughs> reasons, adjacent reasons. I agree. Well, all of us should have a primary care home. It's true. It's very true. On that uh, point of wisdom, I will say that that is our show. Hillary, LJ, Rob, thank you for joining me on the show this week. Thank you for having thank us. You. Thanks, Dave. And thank you, listeners, for making us a part of your week. If you like what you've heard today, why not subscribe? You can benefit from our habit of answering listener questions. So send your questions or whatever you like to the shortcodes at gmail.com or reach out on social media or call us at 347 short CT. I will talk about your question on the show, give you a good answer. Not like today. Also, don't forget to go to theshortcoat.com and join our email list. And if we've made you smile or gave you something to think about today, right now, while your podcast app is open, give us some stars and a review. It's a cheap and easy way to be part of the Short Coat Army and helps us know we're doing the right thing. The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine Student Government. Ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities program. Our executive producer is Jason Lewis. Our opening music is by Dr. Vox. And our closing music is by Catmosphere. Talk to you in one week. <laughs>